Today on the Mothering Us Mothers podcast with Sherry and Natalie, the heartbreak of miscarriage. We have a lovely guest with us today, Serena Ayub, postnatal doula and mother of five. Welcome. So I've done some research for this episode about miscarriage, and I found that the general UK miscarriage statistics state that an estimated one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage, one in five if we only count women who realized or reported the miscarriage, around 11 in 1,000 pregnancies are ectopic, about 100 women in the UK experience recurrent miscarriages, three or more in a row. And more than six in 10 of women who have a recurrent miscarriage go on to have a successful pregnancy. So I thought to myself, that's a lot of miscarriages happening around us. And mm -hmm. I don't, I know maybe of one friend who's had a miscarriage, no, of two friends, I think. But it should be more looking at those statistics. So anybody actually around me could have had a miscarriage, my friend, my neighbor, my coworker. That's a lot of suffering in silence. And I wonder if that is because they don't want to speak about it because it hurts too much or because if they speak about it, they don't receive the compassion they should. So they just stop because it hurts even more. I was talking to my daughter about it the other day. She's got a baby and she said that I think what the problem is there is that sometimes, you know, when, um, when it's early pregnancy and we don't like to tell anyone because we're not mm -hmm. sure you know, what, how it's going to end and like how it's going to be and everything that and people are too scared to say first. And then when they haven't told people and it occurs, mm -hmm. then how, how are you going to get that um, compassion or uh, understanding from another person? Because you haven't even told them in the first place. Mm -hmm. Do you get me? So they have to first I'm understand saying. and accept you were pregnant and then understand yeah, and accept yeah, you lost yeah. the baby, but they didn't even know. That's right. It wasn't, yeah. it, they weren't even realizing that it existed in the first place. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So then how can they say anything, any words of comfort or acknowledge anything because they didn't even know in the first place? And I says, mm. yeah, I get you in a way. But then if you do want to talk to somebody about it and explain it, then you still expect them to be kind once you've told them, right? Mm -hmm. But then, then they just look at you confused because I've been through one of, uh, that kind of situation where oh no, when I told someone, but they're still rude to me, so you just can't win, actually. I've actually mentioned it, that um, I was, and when that, when I told them that I, I'm, not, I'm not pregnant anymore, I got the rudest response that I've ever experienced in my life. And this was at the, that, this was at the school gates. Um, a person that isn't even like a good friend, it was just someone that used to say hi and bye at the school gates. And I remember telling her when I was expecting. And then when I lost that baby and she met me a couple of um, weeks later, she's kind of said to me, oh, where is he? Are you not pregnant anymore? I was like, wow. And I was just like, so you just can't win. You just don't know um, how people are going to react or respond, to be honest. You understand mm -hmm. whether you do say or you don't. But I didn't really talk to my daughter about that part because I thought, you know she's still soft like she's her baby's like one in a bit and mm -hmm. I think she's still going through a lot of postnatal stuff so I didn't really want to go in depth with her about it because she's still kind of struggling as well and as well if you have an early loss people don't necessarily view it as a baby so yeah. they 
dismiss it and I've heard a lot of oh well at least it was early or you know at least you didn't have to carry the baby that long and I always think to myself how can you like I know from the outside if you're not pregnant you will never feel the same way maybe the partner but for the woman who's carrying the baby to go through the because obviously she goes through the emotional side but also there's a physical loss where she sees what's happening yeah understand how someone from outside can ever say like well it's okay because it was just that's horrific it's a baby exactly but the thing um, but the thing is I think the people just thought I think personally if someone told me something like that I would rather not say a lot than say the wrong things mm-hmm. you know what I mean so it might appear to that person that oh she's rude she's not saying anything but rather than hurt them even further because of what I've had to experience myself I'd rather just give them a hug or just mm-hmm. try comfort or just listen yeah. yeah so I've learned that it's best to listen and let them speak because when I went through these I just wanted someone to listen to me and that was it I didn't want them to say stuff you see mm-hmm. what I mean yeah but I got I got a lot of horrible stuff especially family were the worst family because they try to suit themselves not you because they yeah they shocked about i mean it's 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 a death it's loss and they don't know what to say so they say something to make it appear more okay for them not for you because how can it be ever okay for you yeah you'd like to think so (laughs) i don't think uh, they do it because they want to hurt someone i really think that they just don't know what to say so they say something and I mean probably they've never um, talked about something like that and they can't relate so anything they would say will not be the right thing to say. I think we have a real issue in general as a society with saying I don't know because everyone wants to know they you know no one wants to be seen as stupid so they always want to feel like they know what to say but sometimes you can say I really don't know what to say to you I'm sorry like that's actually yeah to say sometimes it's the best thing to say sometimes that is that is definitely i agree wow yeah for you talking about that today does it make you sad it's like mixed feelings really it's not so like sad now it's more like frustration as well because i think you know we need to all of us need to have a bit more compassion inside us when we are like when these things come in front of us We need to be able to react or respond in a better way than mm-hmm. we've been taught to or shown to or whatever. It's very strange how people react. But then I think that that says a lot about their mental state and what they're going through, don't you think? Because obviously if you're in control of, of or you know what you're saying, you surely wouldn't hurt someone intentionally right i think there's a big difference between feeling empathy for someone and really trying to understand what this person is going through and just Mm -hmm. bad for someone and by feeling bad for the other person we're trying to feel better within ourselves do you know what i mean it's sympathy versus empathy empathy is when oh i feel so sorry for you And then sometimes they might even go on to say, you know, because, yeah, my sister's dog, you know, yeah, had a miscarriage. And they try to, like, bring it back to themselves. Whereas with empathy, they will say, you know, 
that sounds really difficult. I'm so sorry you're going through. Really I want hard for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They make it about so the empathy makes it about the person. Sympathy, I feel, makes it about yourself, and it you know it's not always about you. And I think that's the problem. People always <laughs> make it about them themselves, and they don't even realize. Oh yeah, that's true. Actually, sometimes I don't realize that either. But I think it's a human thing. We we do you know what we do it to try and what we're trying to do is say I can relate. Like there's a oh, right, yeah. sometimes the person doesn't want to hear about your connection they just want to speak and get their stuff out and have you listen they don't always want to hear that you had a similar experience or that you know sometimes they will invite that so they might say oh this happened to me have you ever been through something like that and oh. then they open the door for you to say well actually yeah but if they're billing and telling you all this really deep sad stuff and then you say oh that's so sad yeah because you know I've really been through hard stuff too it's almost like, like, like when we talk about racism when you say this and this happened to me I feel so discriminated and then the other person go oh yeah I was discriminated because my hair is pink no mm. it's not the same not the same. <laughs> same goes for miscarriage or any other kind of thing that happens to us that might be negative mm. Marina uh, why don't you start with sharing your story I would really love to hear and I mean you told me Sarah, and I think um, our audience would really benefit Well, um, I've suffered from two miscarriages. One was at 12 weeks. So do you want me to talk about that one first? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. So um, the one at um, 12 weeks, um, well, we were going away to a family holiday. It was our first family holiday with the kids to Florida. So uh, before leaving, I remember my husband said, do you really want to go in this kind of condition? And I said, it's okay. So I'm 12 weeks now. It's okay to travel. Doctor said it was fine. So I wanted to go because the, the children were quite young. Um, and, um, you know, just to make it easy for them that I was there with them and everything. So um, while I was there, um, after the first week, um, I get a phone call from um, my family um, saying that my dad's passed away. And I was like, first I thought it was like a joke because my brother speaking to me and he never kind of speaks to me, my younger brother kind of said, dad's gone. And I was like, what, what are you saying? Like I thought I'm all the way here in, in America. And what kind of joke is this? This is not even funny. And, uh, Then I kind of, kind of, kind of stood there and taking it in, thinking, "What is he saying?" And then I had to say, "Can I speak to my sister?" And then I spoke to my sister, and I said, "What is he saying? Where Dad's gone? Where?" Because um, we've lost Dad, and I was like, "What?" So I don't know what I felt like. I think I just don't know what was happening. And then I must have sat down in shock, and we had to get an emergency flight sorted. Then we couldn't bring the other two children because we thought there was another week of the holiday. We'll leave them with the other family. So I didn't even, at this point, I'm not thinking of anything. Who's staying with who? I just wanted to get back home. Um, so that's it. So this flight, I don't even know what planet I was on. I don't even know how I sat through that. Got home. And as, as soon as we pulled up our doorstep, my dad's, like, the funeral car was just coming in. I was like, oh, my God, like... I just got out of this car. It was just like, 
unreal. Like the scene was just like unreal. So I don't even know what I felt really. I was just so confused. And um, even when we were at the mosque and everything, sat there in the kind of days, like in a zombie kind of state. And I just don't remember anything. And I just remember looking at my dad's face and then not really registering. And I just remember sitting there all alone kind of thing, even though my little girl, we brought my little girl with us and she was about three, three or four. Um, so I don't remember where she was or who she was with, but I just, all I do remember, and I put this in my post that I wrote, it's just like my in-laws were sitting in one corner of that room in the, uh, in the mosque. I could just hear them chattering loudly. So out of all of this scene, the thing that I remember the most is just them chattering away. And um, then I see my sister's in-laws like comforting her, holding her up. She was like, she was like crying hysterically, but I was just sitting there numb. So I, I don't think I cried. I just sat there. So everyone must be thinking like, what is wrong with her? And like, you know, because I couldn't cry. I just didn't even know like what was happening. How did I get here? I've left my other two children somewhere else. Um, my dad's just passed away. Like, I don't even know what to say to my mom. I don't even know what to say to anybody else. I don't even know what's going on. So um, that's it. Then it took, like, everything happened. But then a week after the funeral and everything, I kind of um, got up one morning. So it was Wednesday we buried my dad. And the, the week after, that following Wednesday, I just woke up out of bed. Like I must have been having some kind of cramps. I just felt like a huge, like, gush or some kind of thing fall out into the loo. And I was like, what? What is this? Like, I just felt like a big blob that had just come out of me. And I was like, oh, my God. I've lost this baby. And then I'm just standing there in shock. So my sisters, I think my sister's in the other room. And my baby was sleeping with me. And then I'm just shouting from upstairs. And my mum had come downstairs and I was just shouting, mom, mom. And then she just thought, oh God, she's just been a drama queen as usual. Like, what does she want? What's she calling me for? And then she's just saying, oh, shush. And I'm just saying, mom, can you just like come up? I think I couldn't speak at this point. So I think in my head, I was like actually screaming out and shouting for her, but she just shouted at once and then she didn't come up. And then I kind of got up from the loo, wiped myself. And then I don't know why, but I started washing my pants. And then I was, I, I didn't even think to go for another. I must have just stuck loads of tissue um, down there and then just walked over to the sink and started washing my pants for some reason. And then I called mom again. And then she did come. And um, I said, like, look what's happened, mom. Look in the loo. And I think she started like trembling a bit. And then she goes, oh, it's nothing, it's nothing, nothing happened. And I says, but it did look at all that blood in the loo and there's some big blob in there as well. I've lost this baby and she kept, and I've never, this is the first time, nothing like that had ever happened to me before. And then she kept saying, no, you're fine, you're fine. Let's just go downstairs and we grabbed all our bits. And then she slowly took me downstairs. And then I said, we've got a ring the ambulance because nobody else was around and awake and then mom couldn't couldn't speak English so she wasn't ringing anyone so it was 
he had to be me. So I went downstairs and I think I rang the ambulance and they said to me, you've got to um, lie down on the floor and then you have to kind of raise your knees. And I thought, okay, I don't know what that means, why I have to raise my knees, but okay. And they go, you'll be okay, you'll be okay, nothing's wrong. So mom kept telling me I didn't lose this baby and I was fine, but I knew that that was it, okay. And I don't know if we flushed it or what, or what this blob was because she didn't let me look down there again. And uh, I suppose it still hurts. But anyway, so- um, hey, it's not human, it's fine. That's who you're yeah. for. Yeah. So um, I think that my sister must have come down at this point. Um, but my little girl says to me that she remembers this. She says she remembers me screaming. And I was like, wow, she's 27 now, but she says, I remember you screaming. And I said, wow, I thought you were asleep. But um, and my sister came down and then we waited for the ambulance. I just remember when they took me in that ambulance, that was the worst ride of my life. All I could just feel was every bump in the road. I just remember that, every bump in the road. And I was like, this is like some kind of nightmare. Like, um, you know, like one of these horror movies. It's like some kind of horror movie. <laughs> and uh, I don't remember who was with me, my sister. Yeah, I think it was my sister. And um, she came in with me. And then I think they first took me in for a scan to see, see what was there and everything. And then they said, I've lost the baby and they couldn't find anything in the scan. And then I come out there and they take me to another room to check me out. And then when, when they took me in this other room, um, I think another clot came out, but I don't know what, but I just remember that it was something really hard and round that came out and they wouldn't tell me what it was. And um, at this point, I think I must have, like all the blood must have drained from my whole body because I remember my sister just fell onto the floor when she must have seen like there was no, she said, you just went, your fingernails went, actually went yellow. And it was like all the color had drained from your whole body. And she must have collapsed. She fell onto the floor, so they're running around picking her up. I mean, I, I always find that bit funny, which is really weird. But, um, and then they're picking her up off the floor and thinking like, okay. And then I'm just thinking, what the hell happened? She goes, oh. You just went yellow. And I went, oh, okay. Then I was focusing on her because she felt, so I forgot about it, but it was yellow or whatever. And then they're faffing around after her. Then I'm thinking, okay, this can only get better. And then, um, then after that, I was just still in shock. The 12th of April, this was. And then two days, then my children were coming back from Florida that day. So he had to stay in London to go and pick them from the airport and bring them to me. So he couldn't come. So I'm telling him at this point, oh, can, can you come? But then I'm thinking, well, what can he do? It's already over now. 
whatever happened. But anyway, so he was trying to tell me I'm going to get the kids now and stuff. And I was like, okay. And then I, was, I remember feeling disappointed that he was not there and it had to be my sister or my mom and just feeling a bit, I don't know what I felt really. But I just remember being upset and then that was the end of that call. And then they took me to some ward and then my sister and everyone came back. Then I think my mom came to visit me. But then, then that same night I realized that the ward that, that they'd put me on because there were so many old ladies there and everything. And I just remember thinking, what is wrong with all these old people? Have they had miscarriages too? I just remember I was so out of it. I was thinking, what am I doing on this ward with all these old women? And then what do they keep talking about? Because they kept chatting about stuff. And apparently, I've only figured it out now that that ward, they'd had hysterectomies and things. And I thought, oh my God, like what kind of, what a place to put a person. Like I was only... I think I was about 30 then. I thought, how can you put someone that's just suffered a miscarriage on a ward with people that have just had their wounds removed? Like, mm -hmm. how insensitive? Right. And I was just like, I'm, yeah, I've just kind of, it's only kind of registered the last couple of years that, oh my God, like, I didn't know at the time because I was like so out of it and not even knowing what was happening. And then, then I remember one point the, the the doctor are coming in saying that you might have to have a dnc we might have to clear you out and i was like oh to see if there's anything left inside but you know if we do that you, it could reduce your chances of ever becoming pregnant again or having another baby then i was like even more petrified i was thinking oh my god like you know i love babies and i definitely want to have more and i don't know what you're saying like you're saying that if you do this procedure, that it will reduce my chances of having another baby. Well, I'm not having that done. And then I kept saying, no, 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 I'll be fine. I don't want any other procedure done. Do, do they and, have to uh, do that? Sorry? Do they have to do that? No, no, they don't. If, if everything clears out um, naturally, mm. then they don't. It's only if they think that there's some bits that are left in there. Mm then they have to do this because that could lead to like inspection and stuff so they want to make sure. yeah yeah so obviously when they're scraping or whatever they do when they do that procedure they can um so the same procedure abortion, basically yeah 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 dilation and cutterage is called mm. so they kind of scrape um something so they could mess up your um tubes or your or they could kind of mess something up when they're doing that so there's no guarantee so obviously if they're going to tell you something like that do you think i'm going to say hey, hey yeah please can you go ahead and do that yeah that'll be great i'm going to say no way i'm thinking no no just let whatever's happening naturally happen i don't want any other procedure can you just wait thankfully i had that much brain power to actually say no but can you imagine if like other people that can't speak English or they don't understand what they're saying, mm. they could have easily said, okay. Mm. And um, I was on my own to even answer this question. There was no one with me that understood because my mom didn't understand, my poor sister didn't understand. And uh, so after that, I remember when mom came to visit me and she kept saying to me, um, can you not, um, I mean, 
love her to bits, poor thing. But I remember she kept saying to me, "Can you not, um, can you not tell people when they come and visit, like when they're coming to see, like um, to pay respects to your dad? Can you not um, tell them that you went through this?" And I said, "What?" I was like so confused, and she kept saying don't because then it just confuses everything then they're coming to pay respects to your dad and then then they'll be asking you what happened to you and then you'll have to keep going on and on about the story and then it just messes everything up and I said I was like so baffled but then I just said okay I didn't really know what to think I was just like so numb I suppose really I was just like in a state of shock and I think I was like that for a long time so that's why it probably took me so long to even get over my process, my dad's death to process mm. this miscarriage. It's it's taken me this long, like you know, it's been twenty years. It's like a long time, and um, I remember that during those six weeks, then I had to stay with my mum because mm. it's, it's similar to like when you've had a baby in those forty days, you still have to kind of do that process, mm. and then I remember then I've just lost dad. I couldn't do any prayers and things for dad. Then I was going through this and I couldn't do anything. It was like a really weird time. And um, then when the kids came, then you have to kind of put on a brave face for the kids. They didn't really know what was going on. And then I think after a couple of days, then my husband took them and dropped them to his brothers in Wales. The little, the, all three of them, I think, at that point, because he thought I needed a rest. But, you know, so... It was just like too much to deal with. And then I had to deal with mom's emotion when she was just telling me to ignore mine. And I and it was just, now it makes sense why I couldn't process it because I didn't even have a chance to process either. You weren't given the space to process No, yeah. no. And no one ever really spoke about that one again. And then I wasn't, there wasn't, because it wasn't like, a baby baby were just like clots right so I didn't even know how to deal with that like is this a baby baby do I give this baby a name because it's just a clot I don't know so no one in the hospital mentioned anything about how to deal with it and nobody at home and I didn't know myself and then that was the end of that kind of story no one ever spoke about it again and then then I got a lot of horrible um remarks from like the in-law side like my sister-in-laws would just say oh what happened like uh, this is not like something exciting to mm. tell you that what happened like if you ask me in a nicer way maybe or you say I'm sorry that this happened to you are you okay that's different I might talk about it but if you say to me oh what happened well I'm not really in the right frame of mind to talk mm. to you or answer a question like that it's so there was like a lot a of gossip, is it? yeah yeah it was a lot of insensitivity and I wasn't really up for that and it was quite painful and then I just remember this random auntie this random woman that came to visit to pay respects to my dad she was just sitting there with me one day there was no one else in the room and mum was asleep on the sofa and I remember just chatting to her and she's like spaced out she wasn't even on the planet but I don't know why I just kind of 
came out with my story and then I just told her, this is what happened to me, that's why I'm really sad. And then she just, I think she was just as bad as everyone else because she couldn't really acknowledge it, but she listened. The good thing was that she allowed me to speak and listen to me, didn't have a lot to say, but kind of allowed me that moment. So that's why I always remember her. Um, and then, then I remember when I came back to London, and I was back to normal humdrum of life and driving the kids to school and stuff. Then I'd have random moments where I'd just sit in the car and think, wow, look how the world's just going by. And look what's just happened to me. I've just lost dad. Mm. And the world's just going on like normal. I've just lost a baby. Nobody really knows. And I don't understand. And then I remember breaking down to some other random woman at school that I would never, never talk to. And then she just came out with her own stuff, which didn't even make sense. And then after that, I thought, let me contact the hospital. I don't know how I contacted um, St. George's to talk about it. So I don't remember that part very well, but I, I remember going to see someone about it. And um, I spoke to some woman and then it was about a 20 minute meeting and it was just rubbish. And she was just listening to me and didn't give me any solutions. All I wanted was answers, like how did it happen? Why did it happen? What was the cause of it? What was, I just wanted to have these answers, but I never got any answers to those questions. So I just remember being even more frustrated after that um, meeting with, with that woman in the hospital. And maybe it was just like some kind of talking therapy or something, I can't remember properly. But it was really rubbish. That's all I do remember. And I came out even more frustrated than before. And normally I would journal and I would write whenever something like this would happen. Like, well, anything that happened in my life, I would write about it. But this was one thing I couldn't write about, this particular miscarriage. I couldn't actually get to grips with it or write about it or discuss it with anyone, if you know what I mean. And um, the kids were far too young and I couldn't really speak to them and then... My husband really didn't get it and he'd just say things like all the other insensitive people well would say because he didn't really understand he'd just say oh it's okay we can have another baby or he well he didn't really discuss it apart from saying those odd things at the beginning and that was it so there wasn't really anyone to talk to mm. which is very <laughs> until now yeah <laughs> yeah so so I think, um, but what used to happen to me was, I remember like every year during that time, during that eight, that month of April, I'd always get reoccurring dreams. It's one thing that would always help me reconnect back to it, I think, or help me remember, uh, was that I'd always, um, the first year, after the first year it happened, I do remember this dream. And, I, and I, I think a couple of years I did have that reoccurring dream that, in my dream, it's my dad. We were, it's at some kind of function, like it could be a birthday party or a wedding, I don't know. But my dad's sitting on a chair or nicely dressed and he's holding a little baby on his knee. And that baby is a little boy and he's got the exact same clothes on that my son actually had as a baby. So it's really random because these clothes, I didn't really put on him a lot. And there's not even a photo of him with those clothes on. 
So it was really wow. weird that um, I remember every bit of those clothes and the colour and what design it had on there and that this baby's wearing those clothes. And then I'd remember, oh God, is it the 12th of April again? All right. Because I remember like just a build up before that date, I'd have some strange dream like that of someone that's passed or a, ba a dream of a baby. So that's the only thing that used to remind me because I didn't really write anything down for me to, for it to register, I suppose. But that's how I used to remember that miscarriage. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Wow, yeah. I didn't even think that I'd, I'd cry just then like I did. Because I think I've spoken about it quite a bit, like with my sister and stuff and other people now, and I thought I would be okay. But it just goes to show that it doesn't matter how long it is, that it's not ever okay. That's why there, there should be more sensitivity around this topic and you should allow mums that space. And it's something that I guess you don't really get over mm. or forget. But people want you to get over. Yeah, and they shouldn't. And they shouldn't do that because it's just how you, it's just how you choose to heal or how you deal with it, isn't it really? And you're entitled to that. That feeling. experience, it's yours. You, you can do it however, however you wish to, it's yours. But I'm just like surprised about the level of emotion that I is still connected to it. Do you mm. kind of get me? Mm -hmm. that's what's really surprised me you said you've spoken like to your sister and some people do you think when you've spoken about it with them you've perhaps tried to preserve their feelings so maybe not really connected with the emotion whereas here you were just speaking there's no concern that we're gonna you know you're gonna offend or upset us and or maybe I shouldn't you know you're just free to speak yeah maybe it's because you're not actually like my relatives and maybe yeah it's easier to connect with you for you to listen mm. without any judgment yeah i guess you're right yeah i feel like kind of relieved in a way but i didn't think especially with the first one like i said before i don't think that so many emotions would come up mm. i was just a bit surprised about that you know a bit shocked about that that's all. Yeah. But thank you so much, Serena. It was That's so much to We both, I know Sherry is honoured that you shared with us and you were so open and so honest. Thank you. Well, thank I'm sure you. that our listeners will appreciate it too. Well, thank you for giving me that opportunity, ladies. I really appreciate it. And I hope it can help someone else share their story that most often we think that we need to keep it to ourselves, but I know it's painful as well to share, but it just, it can help another person as yeah. well to come out with their story that they've hidden and kept inside for so long, because mm -hmm. I find that in uh, most of the Black and Asian communities that, especially with a miscarriage or a stillbirth or a story like this that they that we do hide it and Absolutely. 
our community doesn't really allow us to share it openly. I don't know why, but there's nothing shameful about it mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with sharing it. If sharing helps it lighten the burden on you, mm -hmm. you shouldn't feel ashamed to share it because mm -hmm. it did happen to you and you did go through it and um, others should accept it and um, allow you that chance to process it. I mean, I can't say it any better than that. <laughs> you just, on that note, Zarina has ended, I feel, the episode perfectly. That was brilliant. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for allowing me this time. And I really appreciate it. And you're doing a great job, guys. And well done. Thank Love you. Both. Take, Take care. Bye-bye.